0: All right, here we go again. Episode 146 with Darko is about to start. And just a heads up, this episode is pretty heavy and we get into topics like depression, suicide, and internal struggle as Darko has honestly lived a quite interesting life and shares all of his experiences as well as his major weight loss of about over 200 pounds. So here it is. Hopefully you enjoy it and don't worry, near the end it gets onto a happier tone, so don't worry, don't be too sad, but I've warned you. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafał Matuszewski, and joining me today is Darko Bodic, and hopefully I did not screw that up.
1: No, man, that was flawless.
0: Perfect. So, to break the ice for the audience, I always like to start the show by asking my guests what do you got planned for the weekend?
1: For the weekend? Uh, Absolutely nothing, man. I don't have weekends here in Sweden. I'm I'm actually in a very uh, hectic uh, and stressful working mode uh, because... In August, uh, my wife and I were moving to London. So wow. now it's just like you know, hardcore working, and uh, there's no there's no weekends. Like I, if it wasn't for this interview, I I, I promise you, I wouldn't know what the day of the week is. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so so, what made you want to move to London? Uh, it's just it has um, it has every logical sense, career wise, uh, life wise. It's just. Uh, it feels kind of like a natural progression uh, in 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 those areas, and um, and yeah, like we moved from Croatia to Sweden uh, four years ago. It was a huge trans- transition. It's like complete restart of the life, and um, now it feels it feels the same, but it feels just feels more natural. It feels like uh, you know, it's going to be a completely right move.
0: Nice. So in Sweden, what's the thing to do there? Like if someone that's never been to that country, what should they be doing? Uh,
1: unfortunately, like I'm the last person you want to ask that question. <laughs> because, <laughs> Honestly, because in the, in the four years that I've been here, I went out just to hang out like to a restaurant and, and uh, to, to, to a pub or stuff like that. I went only once in four years. So I'm not, I'm, I'm really like, like bad example of how you should, you you should, you know, live your life here. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking with people around here and, and socializing with people here, it's, uh, I think it's sort of like a British style of um, people work here constantly and people just get, you know, they completely get shit faced and destroyed on weekends. <laughs> and uh, that's, that, that's. I'm pretty sure I'm not, uh, I'm not incorrect in my, you know, assessment of Swedish night lifestyle. I think that's, uh, that's pretty accurate. It's just, they work from, from, from Monday to Friday and, and Friday evening or Saturday. It's, it's, you know, complete destruction of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's awesome. of mental and physical state and, uh, Sunday morning everybody's in the gym so uh,
0: nice okay and you said you went from croatia to sweden were you born in yep. croatia uh
1: i was i was born in bosnia in uh, 1985 mm-hmm. and uh, after after living in a war zone so early 90s 91 i moved to uh 91 or early 92 i'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I moved then to, uh, to Croatia. It was uh, it was a run for the life kind of a uh, kind of a move. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anything um, you know. It wasn't anything planned or anything. It was just an instinct to run away from a war zone.
0: No, fair enough. Um, so, for my audience who don't know who you are, can you do a little intro of like who you are, what you do, and how did you first get into the industry in the first place?
1: OK, sure. Um, well, it's you know, it took me a long time to uh, to admit to myself, I guess, that uh, first and foremost, I'm a writer and uh, I'm an aspiring writer. I'm currently um, I'm currently in the beginning stages of writing my own autobiography and uh, hopefully soon I'm going to be a public speaker and also I am part time online Personal trainer, personal coach, um, whatever you wanna call it. Um, actually, I took a, I took a, a long hiatus from online coaching, and uh, we are going definitely going to talk about that uh, during the interview. Um, we are going to touch upon those reasons definitely, but uh, but yeah, like in, in in the essence, that's it. I am a, I'm a writer. I'm a future public speaker, and uh, I also work with. Uh, part-time with clients online.
0: Awesome. And when you first started, did you kind of jump in on the online right away or did you also train people in person?
1: I haven't, I haven't trained people in person and uh, I have like zero experience with that. Uh, However, I think that is a possibility uh, um, prone to change when I moved to London. Um, but, um, I was uh, I was always always interested in reaching as many people as I can. So online training was uh, very appealing for me. I tried a couple of um, online educations for personal trainers, and uh, it wasn't go- going very well. I, I I was struggling to find any chemistry until I I uh, came across Shredded by Science Academy, and uh, since then that that was. Two years ago, since I became a student uh, of the SBS Academy, uh, everything changed. Everything changed upside down for me. No and uh, yeah, f- f- from from that point, I uh, I started, you know, um, it, it was like a natural, not, not, not like intentional networking for the networking sake. It's just, you know, I, I never felt like a part of family be- like that before. And uh, I fell in love with uh, with coaching.
0: No, I love it. And like the fact that you said that you want to reach as many people as possible, that's like exactly the same thing why I'm doing a podcast and also doing online coaching. You just have so much more reach Hmm. compared to like if you're stuck in one gym, you can only see so many clients in a day. Whereas if you have so many things online and online coaching and then you start doing groups, you can just reach who knows 200 people at the same time and help them go through whatever they're struggling. Yeah, precisely. Um, so the other cool thing that that's about you is you went through your own weight loss like journey. And I love speaking to people that have gone through something like this because I just find that coaches who've struggled that much kind of almost have the edge to help others compared to the coaches that have been fit their entire lives. So I would mm-hmm. love for you to like really dig into how it all first started for you, what it felt like going through the steps and where you are today, and how you actually feel with the whole journey kind of behind you.
1: Um, well, I, I, I've been struggling with obesity, uh, and, and the reason why I mentioned uh, being in a war zone is because, um, you know, while doing a lot of retrospection and, and, and soul searching, I realized that everything that revolves around my obesity, and, and it was a lifetime of morbid obesity, has to do something with that, because um, as a, as a young kid, I was I was you know always chubby, always overweight, and then the, then came the war, uh, uh, and and at that point I just went straight to underweight due to you know hunger, and uh, after that, I just started rapidly gaining weight as a child. So I was always you know being branded as the fattest kid. On the block fattest kid in the classroom fell kid in school then I went like fattest in, in in my town <laughs> and very probably at the peak of my morbid obesity I was one of the you know biggest uh, you know most obese people in country of Croatia um, I don't have any statistics on that I just that's kind of what my personal experience is just based uh, on, on, on an anecdote so I went, uh, my, my highest, uh, weight was somewhere around 180 kilos, maybe slightly more, maybe slightly less, but, uh, I like to round it up as 180 kilos, which is uh, well, approximately 200 pounds, uh, sorry, 400 pounds. And, uh, in a span of maybe three years and maybe 10 months, so less than four years, I lost, uh, 200 pounds. So I went from 180, possibly 180 plus kilos in early 2010 to somewhere be below 95 kilos um, in the year of 2013, at the end of the year 2013.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, So what was like kind of your mindset that kind of flipped on that I need to change and because i I found for me because i had my own weight loss um journey but nowhere near as much as you did but i kind of had this kind of like light switch turn on that i had like i just had to do this enough was enough because i've tried before and i failed miserably Mm. at it so like did anything kind of turn on in your head that you're like okay this is it i'm gonna get serious about this i'm gonna lose weight
1: You know, uh, you mentioned a couple of times that, like, and and you wrote me this as well, that, like, your transformation is not as as impressive or whatever as mine. And and I don't don't think that's true, you know, because this is, like, definitely not a competition. And I think what you went through uh, was, you know, a pretty similar situation to me because the only difference is that my life was in, uh, you know, imminent danger. And, uh, I literally almost died and I was dying one day, um, uh, in, 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 my living room, you know, like the, 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 ambulance came to my house, but I was on Jeez. the first floor of the, I was on the floor, first floor of the, um, of the, of my house and, um, after they gave me a couple of shots of, of, of morphine and whatnot, uh, they started panicking because they were not, when I say they, I mean the, the people from the ambulance, they were not able to uh, bring me down to uh, to the ambulance car because I was, I was too heavy, and uh, I don't know, man, at one point, I just made my peace with the fact that I'm going to die, and I was quite relieved with that, I know this sounds very morbid, very weird, but um, in 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 the period of two years prior to that moment, uh, I tried to commit suicide for two two times on separate occasions, and uh, that moment when I was literally dying, it felt like a huge relief. And um, like I said, at the moment when I made my peace. With that fact, I started breathing normally. I, I, I uh, like, my panic attack that, that brought the ambulance there kind of, you know, stopped, kind of seized, and, and I started, you know, breathing in normally, breathing out normally, and when every, like, 15 minutes afterwards, when, when I settled down, when I calmed down, I guess I realized that, you know, I cannot let this ever happen again because that's going to be it, you know, and um, I literally changed completely overnight, like at that moment, not even overnight, but overnight. After that night, after that evening, I was on my way to a uh, capital of Croatia to a weight management clinic, and that's how everything started.
0: Damn, okay. Okay. Um... I think this is the first time that anyone even even like brought up the idea of like suicide on my show, and I was wondering like if you're even comfortable to like explore that a little bit. Sure, man. Like,
1: yeah. um, you know, I, I I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, retrospection. I do a lot of um, figuring out what went in my head at those moments, but. Uh, I cannot say that it's all a direct correlation or causation of, of obesity, but it's definitely had a lot of to do with it because I am extremely social uh, individual, I was feeling extremely lonely. I was constantly being depressed, and uh, I got hooked on alcohol. I got uh, I got hooked on a lot of recreational drugs. I mean, even in in certain uh, on certain days when I felt, um, you know, when I felt suicidal, I would take maybe half an ecstasy, uh, sitting in my home playing video games just so I could feel feel better. So. A lot of that um, at that period, a lot of it had to do also with uh, my grandparents, the people who raised me, uh, people who I lived with my entire life. They were killed in front of my house, and uh, like at that point, I think it was a culmination of all those things that um, I just hit rock bottom countless times, and uh, I, w- I was, you know, I was contemplating that, and I was really like fantasizing or fetishizing dying for a long period of time and and very frequently until you know until I was brought to a a position to actually to actually put that into you know into action and do something about it and uh, you know I I never could I never could execute it obviously Uh, I was never hospitalized and uh, one of the reasons why like nobody knew about this. I kept it all very silent. I kept it all very close to me, and uh, like my mother didn't even know about it. My friends, nobody. I was appearing to be my, you know, good old jolly self in front of people. You know, keeping my smiling public face always. But you know, as soon as I I, I had those moments of so, uh, you know, um, of solitude, I felt. I felt, you know, like, like, I, I, I cannot keep going, man. I, I just, I just need to stop this pain, and uh, that brought me to, you know, two suicide, suicide attempts, in a uh, in a short span of of, of time, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's not uncomfortable to talk about this because, in, in the essence, I'm going to talk about it in detail, and I'm writing about it in detail, but. A lot of it definitely had to do with with obesity. Uh, I stopped going to college. I went to college for just uh, maybe one semester, and I quit because I could not stand looking at myself. I could not stand being, uh, you know, like verbally not, not not bullied, but it was a lifetime, and I'm sure you can you you can identify with this. But after a lifetime of self-deprecating humor just so I could hide the fact that the words of others really hurt, but I was trying to I was trying to, you know, like hide it by being more harsh to myself than anybody else would. Uh, it just got me to the point where I could not do it anymore. And all of a sudden, like getting home and locking myself in the room felt like an amazing, amazing relief. Uh, and I just decided to quit college. And after my grandparents died, that, that, that somewhere around that period, I literally locked myself in a house and I, I remained there for maybe a year and a half, two years. I did not go out. So uh, that was a vicious, poisonous circle where I wanted to change how I look where I wanted to wear normal clothes, where I just, I, I longed for normal things, man. Like, I longed for socializing. I, 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 I missed just hanging out with a group of people. And uh, and when, when I got cut off from that because of my own insecurities, because of just depression, uh, that's when I, you know, when I tried to end it a couple of times.
0: Man, like I like applaud you for being like so brave to like even share that because, like I, I I can't even imagine going through what you did and like I've had close friends in high school that committed suicide so like you just opening up to that like just just thank you
1: first of all. Um, thank you, man. I think I think it's very you know it, it took me a lot of time to talk about this it, yeah. and. One of the reasons why why I, you know, um, why I kept silent is because I never thought that... First, that there are a couple of reasons. Reason number one was that I, I never thought that my story has any weight and that actually me telling my story and telling how I overcame a lifetime of tragedies could actually help others. And the other reason is that, you know, I was um, I was, you know, afraid... Not necessarily of scrutiny, but afraid of, um, you know, just just coming clean because I might be perceived as as weak, you know. Uh, really, we, or at least I grew up in the in the Eastern Europe where any attempt to talk about your feelings, any attempt to address your mental health, is going to be assaulted with like a barrage of uh, you know, like manly humor and teasing, and uh, and you know, and and definitely prejudice. So uh, I always avoided that. And uh, and yeah, man, I I I thank you for for I thank you for your words. But you know, I I, I actually don't feel don't, don't feel particularly brave because of it. I just think that it was it was a due time to to do something about it, come clean and if I can help one person, like one person, you know, I, I will find, I will consider my mission as a successful one.
0: Man, you are like on the same wavelength of me. Like I literally say that all the time with like anything I do is like, if I could help one person, then I feel complete. Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, if you had to like speak to someone in front of you that, was considering suicide. They're super depressed. They have a bunch of anxiety. Like, what would you tell them to kind of clear their mind or kind of give them more perspective on the whole situation?
1: Um, I I actually wouldn't because regardless of my own personal experience, that's it. it, it this can come out as being cold because, as personal trainers, for example, we are uh, we are. Urged and, and and thought to always refer out when you know some clients or situations or circumstances are out of our scope of practice and uh, mental health is something that I can I can talk about from my own experience give people examples and and, and just um, like overview of how I overcame, my personal struggles but if you have a family member if you have a close friend who's going through depression and uh first of all i think it's very likely that you will not notice that but in case you do notice, all you can do is you know open yourself to to help uh, um, give support let them know that you are there and uh I just, I want people to be encouraged to seek professional help. That's one thing that I could not do until very recently, very recently. I, uh, I had another suicide attempt just a couple of months ago. And uh, that was the reason that period was the reason why we postponed our interview, uh, our initial interview that was supposed to be on a star Wars day. Right. And, uh, um, you know i cannot take my own personal experience and consider my expert consider myself as an expert who can guide people through through something that's that's very hard for me in my own case to, to still to put finger on and i finally sought professional help and uh, you know ju- just just the action of me doing that was a game changer and uh, I want people to realize that seeking professional help especially because of depression especially because of suicide thoughts is not a sign of weakness it's something that I would like people to approach as if your arm is broken you will see you will seek a doctor right so if you're if there's something wrong, with your mind if, if if you don't feel like you're in, in in a place where you should be if you feel like there there is something that, that that there's darkness in you that that's you know surfacing i think you are you should be you know encouraged and you should take responsibility to address that and to figure out what's wrong um so you know, I hope that gives you some some answer. But you know, I'm I'm trying to refer out from, um, because you know, it's not it's really not my place to 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 tell people any any you know like so concrete advice on what to do because that's you know even in like personal training when you take stuff that in comparison with mental health is very simple and very straightforward like like you know prescribing somebody. Work out. You always, you always approach it from a very uh, contextual and, and, and individual um, side of it, right? So, it it's even much more complex in in terms of you know in terms of depression. But if we can round this up to one answer, I would say, uh, if you are in that position please do everything you can in your power to seek professional help. And if you have any family members or close friends who are going through that and you kind of identified it, just ask them how they feel. Talk to them. Um, Give them your support. Give them your love. And uh, encourage others to to seek professional help. That's it.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the tough part is... Like, a lot of people, when they think of mental health, they think there's something wrong with them, and it's almost, like, embarrassing, or, like, they don't want to, like, let anyone know, and they're like, I don't want to go seek a therapist, but it's honestly just like anything else. Like, if you have high blood pressure, you're going to go to a doctor about it, but when you, like, tell someone that, oh, I'm going to go see my therapist... And that if those other people are not educated enough on the topic, they're just like, oh, like, what's wrong with you? It's almost this weird stigma that's kind of st- is still around in our society. It's like, no, like your brain and how you think is as as porn is like how you said, if you broke your arm, like you need to get someone yeah. to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know, people are usually uh, usually think that they are going to be perceived as as you know as weak, as uh, emotionally and and mentally unstable, and this will this will you know just uh, mark them as uh, as a liability, and that's that nothing cannot be farther from the truth. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. You know, seek professional help, and for for me, you know, how I approach it. I approached it as there, there is like an unfinished puzzle in my mind, and I needed somebody to help me figure it out. So I approached it from a standpoint of, okay, um, like I'm Sherlock Holmes, but I need Watson <laughs> to help me figure this out. Yeah.
0: Um, so I kind of want to get into how you went through your weight loss, because you said you went to a weight loss clinic, correct? Mm-hmm. yeah so what did they do there like share your experience like did they like put you on a diet did they like monitor you 24 7 like what did they do what was the
1: experience I went for one day I remained in that clinic for maybe a couple of three four hours and then I literally ran away so what happened is that I came out there I um they did, you know, initial assessment. They measured me. They were not able to measure my uh, my circumference because I was too wide. So they tried to put me on one scale, and the scale was over 160 kilos, and it could not measure me. So they had the alternative. What I referred to it as a, a scale for weighing cattle. Uh, it's not literally that, but it looks like that. You know, it has that huge analog, like clock, um, display uh, and uh, that scale was in not inside of the doctor's office or dietitian's office but it was outside one floor below in a waiting room. So I went in a waiting room, stepped on a scale in front of maybe 10, 15 20 people and I realized that the scale that went maybe to 200 kilos, was maxing out. I was in my winter clothing and everything, so that's why when I that's why I don't have a correct number when I say so maybe it was over 180 kilos. I stepped back from that scale. I stepped back on it and I just you know the number was the number was was you know going over over 180 kilos between 180 and 200 and, and it was you know like the pointer of, of the analog clock was was maxing out to 200 almost and um, I started crying and uh, I, I I just I, I could not it, it it wasn't that I ran away because I felt overwhelmed emotionally I I at that point when I saw the number on the scale. It was, it was a, such a hard. It was like a Mike Tyson punching you in the head, uh, and and uh, I just realized that you know, even though I almost died the day before, that was even stronger realization of how far I went without even realizing it. Uh, but prior to that, during those three four hour assessment. Uh, the dietitian actually introduced me to, count, to uh, tracking calories, uh, and they gave me uh, some kind of generic roughly 1,400, 1,600-calorie diet, and uh, I did not, at that point, realize that I did not know absolutely anything about calories. I did not know what a calorie is. I did not know what that number represents. It just, to me over thousand of something it felt like too much so rafael i went from approximately 8 to 10000 calories per day to 6 to 800 because i felt that whatever they suggested it's going to slow down my progress and i felt like the change has to be imminent it has to happen right now that i just Almost cut in half what what the dietitian suggested, and, and uh, I went, you know, like people talk about starvation mode or something like that. I, I, I wasn't like starving, but six hundred to eight hundred calories. You know, it really felt that way. So I remained on that uh, regime for I think five, four or five months and uh, after that period uh, in croatia we have this uh, we have this tradition that on the 1st of may uh, like n- nobody works that day and um, people are outside barbecuing and all of that so i you know for the last 4 or 5 months i went through just trying to be as strict as i can just trying to punish myself as hard as i could I was uh, you know like for me at that point walking for uh, for like two kilometers was was, was an agony, but I was constantly forcing myself myself not to only exercise, but to constantly be in, in motion and uh, not eating for as long as I could. So at that point, I felt good only when I was extremely hungry. And when I was exhausted, if I felt, if I felt, um, you know, satiated, I would, I would do anything to, to make myself even more exhausted to, to do uh, anything just as I felt like I was punishing myself, I felt good. But on the 1st of May, uh, I went out with friends and we had some barbecue and, I kind of fell under the peer pressure and I and I said to myself something in lines of, you know, you already lost 15, 20 kilos, something like that in a very short period of time. Like just allow yourself some kind of reward. So I, I, I started enjoying food for the first time in the last four or five months. And, uh, I started like eating white bread. I started eating like, you know, fattier meat and, uh, Something happened that I felt so guilty. I felt horrible that I made up some lie that I need to go back home immediately and just so my friends could not, you know, persuade me to stay. So I chose like the longest route I could to come from that place to home. Uh, I did some like interval sprinting. I fell down on the ground a couple of times because my knees would just could not keep on. And, uh, I, I, like, out of tiredness, out of exhaustion, out of pain, I puked. And uh, once I purged at that moment, I felt relieved. So, like, a couple of days w- would pass, you know. I would eat a bit more than I initially planned, like, six, over 600, 800 calories. And I just remembered that, mo- that moment of relief when I accidentally purged. So I started purging intentionally, and that uh, became more and more frequent occurrence uh, until I was basically on the doorstep of bulimia. So, in like a five month span, I went from uh, one eating disorder or, you know, different kinds of eating disorders to Completely like a polar opposite. Uh, But I was still, you know, in in completely different, introduced completely different eating disorder. And uh, that also had to be changed.
0: Man, okay. (laughs) You've been like through so much. This is crazy. Um, Do you still, (laughs) yeah, do do you still like struggle with any kind of like eating disorder today?
1: Uh, I would say no. Okay. Uh, I would say no, no even though that um, that is really um, like not not even related. But I think that's... Uh, um, I'm 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 trying to collect my thoughts here. My disorder eating depends on my mental state. Okay. So if I'm depressed, as I was recently. I realized that I will revert to coping mechanisms that I thought were long gone. And predominantly that's binge eating and that's uh, trying to feel anything by eating, you know, super palatable, super tasty food that I that I loved and that I Not intentionally avoided, but that, you know, uh, every time I I would go on a cut or something like that, that those are the foods that, um, don't, don't have a place in my daily, uh, dieting routine. So I'm talking about overeating on literally the biggest jar of Nutella in one sitting, eating like two liters of ice cream in one sitting, eating like two entire whole pizzas, uh, and stuff like that. So I revert to, you know, to these coping mechanisms that are essentially, uh, completely disorder eating. And, uh, when I'm okay, when I'm, when I'm perfectly fine, like I am right now, uh, I absolutely don't have any problems with not only eating disorders and disorder eating, but also with, uh, with body image. Okay. Fair enough
0: because yeah, I find that when people have been, you know, through eating disorders or disordered eating and they're doing well, but say their environment changes just a little bit and they don't have control yeah. over it, then it's like, oh shit, what did I just do? But when they are in control in their environment they are at a higher success rate. And like with me, like I've been dealing with binge eating for a while and I was doing really, really good. And then I was on a family trip to Denver and everything changed. And then I like, I was eating. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm doing it right now. Why? And yeah. I'm like, Oh, everything around me is completely different than my everyday at home when I have more control. But, um, I think for a lot of people, it's just figuring out being more self-aware of situations and eventually just practicing it, because I think it's almost kind of like a skill. Like if you have to put a system on it, you can almost... Yeah, it's definitely a skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then going back to your weight loss, like when you started kind of getting the hang of it where maybe you're not purging as much and not feeling so guilty about everything you're doing, like what were you doing to kind of see the weight slowly come off and not in such drastic like drops?
1: Um, I I think you can definitely identify with this. Uh, I started weightlifting uh, uh, immediately when I started losing weight. That's one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, My initial reason to lift weight was I had this theory that I was so afraid of excess loose skin that I had this, you know, uh, theory that that wasn't backed up with, with anything, especially not science, that if I build up a lot of muscle, you know, like my skin will not hang from every inch of my body so uh that was my initial uh reason to to start lifting weights and building muscle but um after that period of bulimia i you know i decided to eat more and decided to eat um, decided to you know not well yeah it, it was it was it was eating clean at that point you know and uh, one of the reasons why is because I was getting really, really like obsessed and addicted to, in a good way, with weightlifting. And uh, with you know lifting weights, not weight weightlifting. Uh, so um, I I just wanted to be as muscular as I can. I had this um, I had this uh, inner drive to pursue the fantasy of becoming sort of like. A, not fitness mode to become a fitness model, but to look like one. And uh, that's when I, you know, completely changed my diet. And but my my physical, uh, uh, um, my, 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 just did. I had this, this, um, I, I still had this uh, like punishing mentality to punish myself. And I thought that years of indulgence spent all of my like fun points. So, uh, I definitely did improve my diet uh, but I was, I was really uh, very, very harsh upon myself with, uh, with, uh, with physical training, with uh, constant movement, with, con- with, you know, training. I-, I would train in a gym five days a week and and I would run two times per week, maybe five miles, and I would also, during those days, I would also do those ridiculous beach body home workouts like Insanity and P90X. So I would just completely, like, if I wasn't pummeled to the ground, if I wasn't uh, soaking wet, uh, if every inch of my body wasn't aching i did not feel good and i did not feel like i deserved food but overall i was in a marginally healthier place than i was when i when i obviously when i when i was in, in the stages of uh, of bulimia
0: now that sounds really similar to me like i remember when i first started working out I would do the same thing like five days a week. I would run a bunch and it's the same thing. Like if I wasn't sweating a lot, then it wasn't worth it. Mm. But it's so funny. Like we're very similar. But um, I I found that, you know, when I found weights and working out, it almost kind of took my mind off of like binge eating and things like that. And I like looked Mm -hmm. forward to working out. So it almost became a positive like outlet for me and eventually kind of switched to Hey, I don't have to train every single day to get the same benefit, but it brought me to the right direction. Yep. Um, so how did you, from your whole weight loss story, get to the point where you're like, you know what, I think I should be able to train other people, help them go through the same struggle? Like what brought you to that conclusion?
1: Um, you know, when you... Uh, uh, Sorry, sorry, I just need a I just I just need a sip of water, please <laughs> My my approach. Well, you've been talking a lot. So I totally get <laughs> yeah. <it>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I Completely run dry um, Yeah, to, to, to go back to your to your question, um you know that feeling when you start lifting weights and you're like very passionate and obsessive about it and uh, you start watching so many uh, uh, You know technique videos and you are improving on your deadlift technique and all of that and then you see one guy in the gym uh, like completely rounded back in a deadlift, yeah. and your first, your first, um, you know, uh, instinct is to give unsolicited advice. I'm pretty sure we've all been there, and for me, that just went on a whole, on a whole other level because I know what I've been through, and I knew that if I could do something to transform my body and show people that I am the example. Uh, I'm the right example of transforming your body that I could help others do this. Um, but I wasn't contemplating personal training uh, whatsoever until I decided to move to Sweden. So even even then, I knew that there has to be something that I could... Because I, I, I knew, I know this sounds like a complacency, but I knew that my transformation was impressive enough to do something about it. I just did not know... Did not knew at that point exactly what. So, once I got to Sweden, I uh, I started really, really being uh, like obsessive, but enjoying every moment of education. And, and, and just learning about exercise science and nutrition, and that brought me, you know, to to people like Ellen Aragon and and uh, Eric Helms and uh, people from Shredded by Science Academy and, and and you know all all of these guys that you also had um, had interaction with. So uh, that kind of got me to uh, to a place where I started pursuing uh, personal training, and it, it, it all came from the this very same motivation as as your you know, your source of, uh, of, uh, of, or your desire to help people.
0: Okay. Fair enough. And the other thing I'm kind of curious about too, is like, cause you have your own podcast and I'm kind of wondering like, what have you learned from your podcast now that you've been doing it for a while? Cause I find that, you know, a lot of people are starting podcasts and more information is being put out there, but the hosts don't really get that spotlight or, Kind of like their own one-on-one time but i'm kind of curious to know after this whole experience of you chatting with other professionals what have you learned through the journey
1: um my goal was always to provide information as i'm sure it is the same for you and um, like yeah like y- y- you just you are not in a position to put yourself put yourself in a spotlight because you know what your mission is and uh you know, um, I learned since I interviewed a bunch of people from, uh, different kinds of areas, uh, I learned, I learned a bunch, you know, I learned, um, I learned, you know, a lot. I cannot, I, it's very hard to like pinpoint it on, on one thing, but, um, you know, my podcast, at least before this hiatus I took uh, revolved specifically on obesity and obesity from um, eating disorder standpoint and uh, nutrition standpoint and also um, the standpoint of physical exercise. But, you know, so from all of these other all of these different facets of of uh, that affects obesity. Um, I learned a lot. And um, you know it's very hard to pinpoint one thing, one specific thing that uh, that I learned because you know of of very um, specific areas of expertise of you know of my guests.
0: Oh, fair enough. and I, I just like podcasting because, you get connected to a lot of people similar to you that kind of have almost the same vision to take someone from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of hard to explain. It's almost like, you know, I can go to the gym down the street and there's a bunch of different trainers, but they just don't have that kind of like sparkle or like this next kind of level of empathy for somebody. And every person I get on my podcast kind of has that, like that extra little thing and I just love chatting with them because it's like almost refreshing yeah. that you know another individual that's across the world that cares as much as you, and you're like, okay, this world is not that bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I, th- th- that's a great point. But I I, um, I, I also so- sometimes think about that, and I think a lot of it. I'm not sure are you going to agree with this, but I think a lot of it a lot of it comes from the source of motivation to why are you actually doing this mm-hmm. uh, this job? You know, why are you providing service to people? And uh, for a lot of similar folk that uh, both of us interviewed, I think it always comes from this genuine place of uh, making people happier, making their lives better, making them more uh, functional in a way of, um, you know, being more flexible with, uh, with the nutrition, being more, you know, moving better, being stronger and all of that. But a lot of personal trainers just think about, I think, at least here in Sweden, uh, I, I see a lot of personal trainers thinking about being shredded, being ripped as the end goal, and the, the process is just figuring finger, figuring out a way to retain clients as long as possible to earn some money. And um, so, yeah, I I think it all comes from the source of motivation. To uh, why are you actually doing what you're doing? Why are you helping people?
0: No, I, I and, agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and for for, for the two of us, it's very. It's It's you know, it's even more simple. it's even more straightforward. We want our experience to reach other people to show them that uh, there is a way out.
0: yeah, because like I've always grown up and been like raised in a sense where you know if you have a talent or if you're passionate about something, like you definitely need to share it with as many people as possible. and that's always been kind of the thing in the back of my head. like it's your responsibility. yeah, like the more you can give, like, my wife always tells me this, that I'm constantly always thinking about others and I never take time to, like, put myself first to, like, progress my career faster. Because, like, in our industry, there's so many cheesy and sleazy ways to get ahead really quick. But i rather, (laughs) like, give as much as possible. And if I have an opportunity to help another coach and promote them, like, I would do that 100%. Or, like, if I found... Something online that's going to work really, really well for somebody else, I'm going to give that to them right away because I know they'll do a really good job. And that's always kind of been like my mission It's like, I'm going to help as many people as possible. And eventually that's good. Like I believe in karma and I'm like, that karma is going to come back to me. And if you look at someone like say Steve Jobs who started Apple, like he never thought about how much money am I going to make off this computer company? He's like, no, I'm going to make really, really great products for people that they don't even Mm. think that they need it. And look how big his empire grew. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I think if that's the, the, that's the foundation of your business, if integrity is the, 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 the one thing that you are always referring back to, I think you're I think you're good. I think you're you're golden and I think you know it's just about being consistent enough until until you explode.
0: Oh, definitely. Um so maybe last question cuz we're coming up to an hour but uh where can people find you online do you have any other projects coming out or anything else you want to plug on my show you can do
1: that right now Um honestly nothing nothing specifically to plug I will definitely be returning to coaching uh as I said in the beginning I took a I took a very prolonged hiatus from from coaching online because coaching in general because I just thought that um uh, until I was able to help myself, I have no business in uh, trying to help others and uh, I will definitely be returning to to, uh, to online training um, in, in just a couple of weeks until I figure some stuff out and uh, logistics and everything. And uh, where people can find me is that I'm most active on my personal Facebook page and I I don't think I should I'm not a big fan of like spelling out uh, you know links where you can find me you I, I'm pretty sure you will put all of that in the show notes yeah. uh, I have my own I have my own like official website but I actually don't use it at all uh, because it, it definitely requires some rebranding uh, but uh, in in terms of my projects I will definitely be um, going back to podcasting uh, starting. Uh, very soon in just a couple of weeks and uh, I will uh, uh, aside from coaching I will uh, I will also the biggest project I'm working currently on is uh, writing my own autobiography
0: Awesome, so thank you so much for sharing your story and just everything, you were just plain amazing
1: Thank you my man, thank you
0: Alright so that's going to wrap up episode 146 with Darko hopefully your eyes have been opened and your soul has healed a little bit with that episode. Uh, Darko was amazing and I can't wait to meet him in person because we decided that whenever I fly into London next, we will hang out at either a conference or coffee or whatever it is. But I'm going to say this again over and over again at at the end of every episode please 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 share this podcast with your friends and family on every single social platform there is and also for those who are my avid listeners add me on Facebook Instagram wherever it is and uh, send me a DM and say hi I'm happy to reply and answer any kind of questions you may have and that is it if you have any questions feedback for the show feel free to reach out and I will continue giving you the best nutrition, fitness, health, and anything related that I like on a weekly basis. See you guys.